0: Mets fans, welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. My name is Brian, with me as always is Chris. And I say this like every single week we record, either on or off the air, but this was a weird week for the Mets. Uh, you know, after a relatively depressing trip through Washington and Miami where the Mets lost more games than they should have to two very bad teams, the Mets took two of three from the Yankees, with Sunday night's, being, Sunday night's game being one of the most exciting of the year and a real... Um, sort of national spotlight game that feels like that could have been the start of the final push that maybe would get the Mets over the top. But no, then they get swept by the Cardinals, and here we are. They are on the precipice of um, what I would call maybe the inevitable slide towards a non-playoff berth. I, I guess there's a chance they pull it out, but that could be... I mean, that that seems very, very unlikely at this point. It just seems like a real bummer of a way to get us to where we are right now. Although I have to say, taking two or three from the Yankees and hearing Yankee fans bitch was pretty fun.
1: Yeah, there is always some joy to be had in that, as much as I hate to try to be that fan.
0: <laughs> Same.
1: You know, as a Rangers fan in hockey, um, you know, I often... Accurately feel, I believe that Islanders fans are obsessed with the Rangers' demise and their own success is secondary. So I, I hate to come off like that, but like screw it. If, if the Mets are going down in flames, um, if they can knock the Yankees out of the playoffs too, that is that's great.
0: It's not even the Yankees so much for me. It's the one type of Yankees fan mm-hmm. that that cannot accept anything other than permanent success for the Yankees. You know, my friend Anthony, who sometimes listens. So, hey, Anthony, what's up? He's a Yankee fan, but he is not a Met hater, and I am not a Yankee hater. I just hate the Yankee fans who, you know, cannot accept any Met success, um, and is just like World Series a bust, bro? You know, those guys. I can't, I, I can't do that. So, right. anyway, the the Francisco Lindor game was was a lot of fun, uh, a whole lot of fun. I think that. Lindor is, gosh, one of the four or five most exciting players to watch in baseball. Like, you know, overall, his entire game is just so much fun to watch. But when he is offensively on, the swagger is just, I mean... Oh boy, what's what's not to love about watching Lindor play baseball when he's on fire? And that night he was on fire. Uh, you were recapping that game, weren't you? So how was how was that experience for you? Uh <laughs> I mean it was it, it was a little wild.
1: Um, you know, you go into a like, oh man, Sunday night Mets Yankees. It's starting at eight o'clock. Like. Uh, There's just something, and of course, it's on ESPN. Something about all that is draining in a way.
0: like
1: 100% yes. (laughs) Like a routine Tuesday night game on the West Coast on SNY. There's just some calm and rhythm to that that's that's very, I don't know. Uh, Either one might put you to sleep. Uh, um, But yeah, I would take the two hours later start just to... Especially in a perspective of watching it from home, and you know, and then writing about it. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it unfortunately, as you said, is not going to be something that catapulted the Mets into a playoff spot or or started the streak that got them back into the mix. Um, but it was a nice and to me it was a bit of an exclamation point for Lindor and it is not his fault that the team is where they are right now agreed uh, you know we we can we can repeat ourselves a million times if people want to hate him for 10 years because he had a bad month at the beginning of this season then uh, i don't know enjoy Hating your your favorite
0: team for a decade. <laughs> there was a uh, there was a certain column that we'll reference later that said that even with his strong second half, he's proven or he's showing that the contract won't be worth it. And I just feel like that is just not that is not true. Sorry, right. that's not true. There's you cannot know that. First of all, contract doesn't this year doesn't count towards the contract. Number one, number two, you just you cannot know that right now. Right. But yeah that that game was, you know, on
1: a stage where the stadium was packed, you know, uh, people were really into it. I don't think it matters much to the guys on the field what where the cameras are broadcasting. But, you know, it's a, it's a national game. I don't know if anybody cared other than people hoping that the, the either team would lose for their team's playoff hopes. <laughs> right. But, like... As far as regular season games go for two teams that are borderline playoff teams, it was about as big and into it as it can get. And it was just like, yeah, that's a taste of what this guy is capable of. And obviously he's not going to hit three home runs in every game or every big game. But that is is the guy that we all got so excited to see play for the Mets and for the Mets to uh, sign and hold on to. And yeah, the fact that he's making a lot of money does not affect your life as a Mets fan at all. Whether or not Steve Cohen decides to give his front office the budget to disregard the luxury tax or, you know, whatever that looks like next year and beyond. That's the focus. You know, it's the the whole setup of it is that 90 percent of coverage of sports is constantly framing the athletes as underperforming and overpaid. And uh, yeah, Lindor making money in in a sport that suppresses the salaries of young superstars, which is what he has been. Um, Good for him. And if you spend much time thinking about it, uh, you have misplaced priorities about baseball, I think.
0: Agreed. Agreed 100%. (laughs) Um, so, yeah, that I, I do want to say, you know, about that game, it was, you know, the ESPN, the big stage thing, I think, is important to some people more than it is to us as viewers, especially because I cannot stand Matt Vasgersian as a play by play guy. Mm. And I felt that Gary Cohen was robbed of that three home run call. Um, and A-Rod is audio ambient just boring as shit and puts me to sleep when he's on the microphone. So it, it, it was really – I felt like it was just a bummer that it was on ESPN, not just because I don't like the way they film games or all the other stuff, but just because that's a game that you want Gary Cohen calling. That's the same reason why I wish that uh, sports teams – rather, sports um, networks would have would let people – would let the home announcers call playoff games – because uh, Gary Cohen should be the one to call the Mets World Series win, right? Like, it just, that's just, that's the way it should be. That's the way the universe is, 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 is designed to be, and it will never happen. And that's, such yeah. A so we'll get Joe Buck doing it, right? So that's obnoxious. So I, that was an annoying part of the game for me, just because it's so much less fun to watch the performative excitement of Matt Veskirchen, who turns every home run into a game winning World Series home run with his bullshit over the top calls. Case you can't tell. Really don't like that guy. Um, I just it really took away from the enjoyment of the game for me. But again, this is not a new complaint from me. Uh this is something I have complained about for a very long time. <laughs> um, yeah. but whatever. Um so I mean I, obviously I don't think either of us are going down to the OTB and putting down a tra uh, a, a bet for the Mets to make the playoffs, but how how convinced are you that the Mets are totally toast right now? Um pretty
1: convinced I mean to the point that uh, these losses uh, uh recently are I, I'm not like emotionally affected by them. I don't know if that's just this many years of doing the whole Mets fan thing <laughs> or or what but there there were games not that long ago that I was into and I don't know, August was just, we, we never we fulfilled our promise. Maybe we'll reserve it for like an off-season episode of Misery to review the worst months in yes, Mets history. Yes, we didn't do that, you're right. But but I do think that is really going to end up being the biggest story of this season. Uh, for an entire month, the Mets could not get out of their own way and just, the uh, you know, not a huge lead, but a, a several-game lead in the division just evaporated and uh you know that's uh something they didn't recover from they've made it fun at points but they have not gotten back to like oh they're they're a game behind um you know the Braves for first place or even just the second wild card um and yeah I think obviously you'd like to see them just go on an absolute tear through this month and, and accomplish those things. But August was really when they, um, you know, wasted away what they had built up to that point. So, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty convinced. I know Gary Cohen has said a couple times recently that, you know, really seems like the Mets are done and he's not one to really get hyperbolic with that kind of a thing. Right you know, Um, I think I think that's a good, on top of being an intelligent uh, guy who like does a great job of play by play, and I think being thoughtful when he brings up uh, you know larger issues and topics surrounding the Mets, like the, th- the thumbs down thing uh, and all that. But on, on top of all that, he's just a good sort of gauge. Um, so yeah, if Gary Cohen is saying it feels like. They're done. Uh, I think it really feels that way.
0: Yeah. You know, I was talking to my brother the other night about this and I feel like one of two things is going to happen. Either the Mets are done and they're done at an early enough point that it won't break my heart versus like 20, uh, 2007, 2008, right? The last day of the season, just, just heartbreak losses. Uh, So either that's the case or they're going to go on a tear and it will make the last few weeks. Interesting. The worst case scenario is if they go on a tear and still lose the division or still lose the still don't make the playoffs. That's the to me that's the worst of all possible options. If I can if I can emotionally check out a few weeks early, I'm more okay with that than having a heartbreaker on the final weekend of the season in Atlanta. Yeah. And yeah, I think the odds
1: of that happening are are pretty low, I mean, objectively. Right. If you look at playoff odds, but I don't know. Coming out of this series, getting swept by the Cardinals, is there any reason to believe that they're going to win games as the Phillies this weekend? And then they get the Red Sox and Brewers who are...
0: Objectively teams.
1: <laughs> yeah, better teams. I, I, don't, I do not think the Phillies are a good team. Um, so, yeah, they, I don't know. By the time they get those four games against the Marlins at the end of the month, I'm guessing it would they'd have to be in a spot where like they win all four of those games, the Braves lose multiple games during those, you know, during that week and they uh, you know, go to Atlanta. I think where so many great a place where so many great things have happened for the Mets over the years. Yes. And have to win all the games to like maybe force a tiebreaker. like that that is really where it feels like they're at, um, right. So we'll see if if we need to uh, eat our words on this and they pull it off and the Braves totally collapse, and the Mets are and at least champs and playing playoff games uh,
0: a little less than a month from now, then I will happily say that I was wrong. but I won't quite pull a Werner Herzog and say I will eat my shoe if they uh if if they win the the division but you know um what's a food I don't really like <laughs> I will put ketchup on a hot dog if the Mets <laughs> win. The division. There you go. That's that's the highest that's a kind of high stakes gambling you can expect from me. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, no the uh no Andy Martino where a Speedo to spring training offers <laughs> nope.
0: Quite literally yeah. no
1: one needs to see that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: In hindsight, glad he put it over jeans. Yes. Oh god, yes. <laughs> it was very much not living up to the bet, but also like <laughs> yeah. better for the Mets the little part of society that's tuned in that much to the Mets. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um I wonder what it's like to be an offline Mets fan in twenty twenty one. Oh god. Imagine the joy. <laughs> Like, you don't know who – half the people that we all obsess over, you don't even know who they are. Like, that's –
0: yeah, that's got to be something. So uh, my brother-in-law is a big Mets fan, and I think he, like, on the way to work in the morning, listens to the fan. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like some of the stuff that we obsess over does get talked about on sports talk radio, but they're only really getting the tip of the iceberg, you know, um, but I still feel like maybe it's better to be an online Mets fan than like a multi hour a day wfan listening Mets fan. I think that might mm. be the worst the, the worst fate yeah, you know that you can you
1: can tailor it more yes, um you can tailor your radio experience by just deciding to stop listening right <laughs> which is yeah we go it just i don't know it dawned on me one morning on like a saturday where i got in my car and it was on and somebody was just shitting on carlos beltron while he was still a Met. so this is a long time ago now um and and it was a host i don't even remember who it was i don't remember what they were saying but basically it was the you know beltron's lazy and blah blah blah, blah, blah. that like that kind of mindset and uh And I just shut it off and um,
0: moved on with your life.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I can't say it's been zero since then, but I am not just generally tuning in. You know, maybe somebody's going on and giving an interview, and it's somebody who doesn't do that all that often. You know, Sandy Alderson, um, or well, there's nobody left of the front office that he built for this (laughs) season. But
0: exactly. Speaking of which, yeah, why don't, why don't you lead us into this? You you, you <laughs> saw this happening in real time. I was in a wonderful meeting this morning and only read about it retroactively. So why don't you tell us what happened here? Well, well, yeah, well, there's the there's the Cohen thing and
1: uh, the Alderson thing, but um, you know, we a day or two ago, I think it was Tim Healy who said like, oh yeah, basically confirming that Sandy Alderson is going to stick around. For next season as originally planned as the president of the team and is going to be involved in hiring, uh, you know, ideally a president of baseball operations, presumably a new general manager and all that. And then uh, as a follow up to that this morning, Mike Puma wrote an article in which uh, uh, there were some digs at Lindor that you referenced earlier that I think were unfair, but the meat of the article was really quoting, uh, you know, an anonymous, a briefly anonymous former MLB executive.
0: <laughs> briefly uh, anonymous. That's the perfect <laughs> way to put it. I'm sorry.
1: It just tickles me. Um, who was bringing up a point that's been brought up a couple of times over the course of the last six to 12 months that, look, the Mets are going to have a hard time finding people because Steve Cohen can't help himself and is on Twitter all the time i um, phrasing, but you know, right. That so explicitly criticizing Steve Cohen and then Steve Cohen sees it and goes on and is like, Oh wow. Interesting that that's an anonymous source. Let's see who can figure out who it is and whoever does first can sit with me in the owner's box for a game and turns it into this whole thing, which is a bad look regardless of what you think of what the conclusion was, which is that it was David Sampson, former Marlins executive uh-huh if we are to believe cohen and it it, it checks out i think david Sampson himself like quote tweeted something about it yes oh my god this sounds so stupid saying all this out loud i know <laughs> that's why i let you we're do talking, this <laughs> we're talking about adults like what the hell is going on so anyway yeah steve cohen basically put out a public call to figure out who it is and then explicitly said yep it was david Sampson." and i i, I you know i Have to imagine that he probably knew that before he tweeted the first tweet and then was leading to a, oh, this is the former Marlins guy. Like the fans are going to, they're going to love this. And I think overwhelmingly, uh, I don't know, a lot of people probably did. I don't know if everybody who writes for Amazing Avenue and and podcasts uh, for us on the site, I don't know if everybody in our crew did, but I definitely saw lots of like positive reactions and sort of like, oh, who cares what, you know, David Sampson, I think. Screw that guy. Um, but sometimes, I, I guess I'm curious if you feel differently. I, Over the course of this experience so far with Cohen as the team's owner, I, I haven't thought that anybody would actually turn down a very high-paying, prominent job in baseball, uh, a job that there are only 30 of in Major League Baseball. There's only 30 of them on the planet. Um, I don't think the owner's tendency to go on Twitter and use poor punctuation and make a lot of typos and stir the pot—I I don't think that would deter people from taking a job uh, that that had that level of prominence. But um, there are some times when I would just, uh, just like Steve, just put the phone down, please. Like this morning, just, just, I don't know. I guess it's, if Jeff Wilpon were doing it and wanted to try to make it public, it would come out in like uh, a different story by someone else. You know, it wouldn't just be direct on Twitter. So I guess in that sense, I respect it more because it's just, if you're going to do the the. Thing that isn't good, at least you're going out there and just saying it yourself instead of trying to like back channel it and like, back, you know, respond with your own anonymous sourcing.
0: Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, so he, here's where my mind is on this. I, I think that regardless of anything else, you have to admit this is a dumb thing for Cohen to do. Like, objectively, he's the owner of the team. And I don't think that the owner of the team needs to be this cloistered Rapunzel in a tower someplace, right? I think if he wants to be on Twitter and interact with fans, I think that's – honestly, that's probably okay if he had more tact with what he's tweeting and it, and whatever. I think that naming – that doing this whole giving away a ticket based on the source, to me, that's the worst part of all of this. Because I could see an executive saying, if I took a job for him and we disagreed and he got a bug up his ass, he may go on Twitter and say, you know, I'm putting a, a name that probably won't sign here. Theo Epstein told me we shouldn't sign Javi Baez to an extension, but we did, and look where we are now. You know, and and executives don't want to have their names dragged through the mud for any reason by their owners in public or in private. So I could see something like this being more of a deal breaker than him just sort of trying to be funny on Twitter, which I still don't think is a great look for the owner. But I can excuse that a little bit more than I can excuse this. To me, this just seems like this seems really catty, man. Like this guy is worth so much money. So <laughs> this morning, before I had a meeting, I took myself out to breakfast. I went to my local diner and I had breakfast. And with tip and everything, it was like twenty bucks. And I thought, like, wow, that's. I had a really nice morning. I didn't listen to music or a podcast. I just was with my thoughts. I had a cup of coffee. It was lovely. It was a lovely way to spend a morning, and it only cost me twenty dollars. How lucky am I? This guy could go and and go on a cruise for six months and spend my equivalent of twenty dollars. Like, why isn't this guy doing that? Go go, go! have fun. Go do it. You don't need the shitpost. You're a billionaire. Take take your money and do some fun stuff. Give it to good causes. Build a hospital for sick kids. Invest it in climate change. Or if you're going to be a selfish prick, just buy a bigger house. Get a jacuzzi the size of a football field. Whatever you want to do, man, do it. You have the time and money to do anything you want to do and you are choosing to do that you are choosing to shitpost about the mets on twitter if you, if you gave me a billion dollars you'd never hear from me again unless you were an actual friend of mine right you know chris <laughs> you would still get texts from me but people on the internet i'm sorry you wouldn't hear from me again i'm off doing what i want to do and sleeping late and eating at the diner every morning for breakfast regardless you know yes. like that that's just I, I, that's the part that I, I don't understand is that he's trying to be like one of us, but in the worst possible way. He is being the worst version of a Mets fan online. Right. Ugh. Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> I'm trying to keep my socialism down here. I'm trying to not even talk about the problems of billionaires in general and just talk about why he shouldn't shitpost, but right. get me worked up here. Yeah, no, so... That's that.
1: Uh, <laughs> I think that's about it, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. We, we, we hit all our big stuff, right? Yeah. I'd say yeah. so.
0: So, Chris, what's your music pick for this week?
1: Uh, so, you'll be shocked to hear it's an Australian band. It's a band I've recommended a record of before. Um, but Emil and the Sniffers put out a new record called Comfort to Me. Uh, it came out. What, on Friday last week, I think. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's pretty great. I, she is the best. The band, the band is really solid too, but she is just like such a great front person of, uh, of a band. And, uh, you know, it sounds uh, like I'm still going to have to listen to it more to, to get more familiar with it, but it sounds exactly like, I guess, the way I would describe them, which is a punk band that's heavily influenced by D C. Um, so you've got some of those like big, bigger rock riffs, but with a very punk uh, pace and, and and certainly her approach. So uh, yeah, Comfort to Me came out last week. Um, it's got a funky album cover. You can't miss it. Uh, so yeah, check that out. Amal and the
0: Sniffers. I, I will always recommend their music, I think. <laughs> well, uh, I was going to say, I had sent you a, a screen grab of a... Uh an instagram post yesterday from former amazing avenue and conversation guest brian baker guitarist from the legendary punk bands uh uh bad religion and the original bass player from minor threat and uh he recommended this album so i had to send it to chris i I was like this is this is the most mcshane thing i've ever seen in my life so yeah you know that that was very on brand so thank you for sharing that you're welcome (laughs) Uh, so my pick is, it's funny, I was kind of panicking here for a second thinking, oh, I don't have a pick. And then I realized I already wrote my pick into our spreadsheet last week, uh, because I was so confident of mm. it. So I don't, I don't know why I was, I was stressing out. But, uh, there's a singer songwriter named Colleen Green. She released an album back in 2015 called I Want to Grow Up. And I loved that album, loved it very much. And then she kind of, uh, took a break a little bit. She put out, a, this is going to sound like a very strange concept, but uh, hear me out, a, a, a bass and vocals cover of Blink-182's Dude Ranch album, um, which kind of slowed the songs down and made them really sad, and I, I actually really enjoyed that as well. I, I might have recommended that in the past, actually. Um, I should probably look that up. But anyway, she put out her first um, her first like real uh new album since 2015. Yeah, I, I did recommend this way back on episode 20, by the way. So that uh Colleen oh, and nice. Dude Ranch album. But anyway, um the album is called Cool and it's really, really good. Her her songs are just really, really like uh really smart and simple, kind of like power pop songs, but they all have this this sort of sheen of darkness on them that I really enjoy. And she's she's not like a flashy guitar player. Actually, I don't even know if it's her playing or if there's someone else in the studio playing the tracks, but the guitar lines on the songs are just unexpected. And I love when something surprises me in the way it's presented. And listening to the lead guitar parts on this album, I'm like, oh, that's, that's not what I thought they'd play there. And so I really appreciate that. Um, there were a couple of singles that were released from the album ahead of time. Uh, one of them being called I believe it's I Want to Be a Dog, which is sort of a fun play on the um, Stooges song, "You Know I Want to Be Your Dog. That's the name of the song, right? It sounds wrong coming out of my head, coming out of my mouth. Yeah, yeah no, no, yeah. it is
1: I Want to Be Your Dog. Yep. Yeah, it, it's this
0: is the song called I Want to Be a Dog. And it's just about sort of how much easier life would be if you were a dog, <laughs> uh, which sounds like a silly thing to write a song about, but I actually really, really love that song. And uh, there's a couple of just really, really beautiful songs on this. And it ends with an instrumental uh, warning, slightly uh, lewd title here called "Pressure to Come," come cum, and uh, but it's really beautiful instrumental to end the record on, and I just think it's it's one of the more refreshing albums I've heard lately. So uh, check it out, Colleen Green's "Cool," and that does it for another installment of Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. Thank you for listening. Go to amazonavenue.com dot com. We we are still writing about the Mets despite the current situation. Um, You can find Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can find this show on um, everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Amazon Music, wherever you find podcasts, you will find us there. Please rate, review, and subscribe. That helps folks find out about the show. Continue to check out the other excellent Amazing Avenue audio shows from Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue in Conversation, uh, Unformidable, and our friends at a pot of their own. Who are having their Dollars for Dingers fundraiser next Saturday, Saturday September 25th at Catch in Astoria. I will be there. Chris unfortunately can't make it, but please come out and say hi. It's for a great cause. They have already raised over five thousand dollars through their Dollars for Dingers uh, promotion, promotion, whatever it's called, fundraiser. Couldn't get that. Couldn't think of that word for some reason. Um I am very sad that my bonus pledge has not happened yet, which is I said that. If a Mets player had their jersey ripped off, I would give twenty bucks per jersey rip off, ten dollars for each nipple. So, um, unfortunately, that has not happened yet. (laughs) So, uh, but you know, we're all donating money for a great cause. All the. Benefits all the proceeds benefit the National Domestic Violence Hotline. We will have a Kevin, uh, sorry, a Brandon Nimmo autographed bat and a Michael Conforto autographed ball, among other things to raffle off. So, including a, a, uh, a Los Hoc, uh, the Los Quesos record. Chris's band will also be giving away at that uh, at that event. So, for oh, yeah. all, for all of those reasons, come out to catch and. Uh, stay tuned to Amazing Avenue. We might ha- have a way to bid on some of that stuff if you're not there. So we will we will figure all that out in the next couple of days. But really, check out A Pot of Their Own. Check out Dollars for Dingers. It's a fantastic cause. We'll talk more about it next week. And uh, Chris is on Twitter, at Chris McShane. I am at Brian Needs a Nap. And until next time, let's go Mets.